0: Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, you ones that are online, why don't you put in the chat how, you, how the Christmas stress levels are um, going. I've decided that before I die, I want to have one Christmas where I'm not rushed or stressed. Who thinks I can pull that off? No. Glad you got so much faith. Um, well, who enjoys gardening? What do you grow? Dye, Southwood, what do you grow? Flowers. Good, good. Ian? Weeds. Weeds. (laughs) Sophie? Yeah. Good. Fred? What was the question? (laughs) Fred grows beans. Well, um, Mark said at the beginning of the year came back from Bunnings with a mixed Bag of seeds. So all year we've just played, guess what plant that is. And I was a bit bemused. I thought, I think he's supposed to be more intentional. But we've been married for thirty-eight years. So many years, I stopped, tried to, I I've, I've stopped controlling him. Um, but I was delighted with this one, the sunflower. One little seed bought a harvest of beautiful, yellow. And the title of today's message is the power of the seed. And it's okay in the Zare's garden to play guess this plant, but not really in your life. If you want your life to be fruitful and produce a harvest, you have to be more intentional than the Zare's. God breathes into you. You have his DNA and he has created you for fruitfulness. In fact, he has created you and prepared good works before you were even born. So it is up to us to be intentional and not play, guess what plant or harvest that is. You are not a mixed bag of seed from Bunnings. And Christmas is all about a seed. We read about the prophetic seed in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve, the first two humans that God created, he gave them a free will, but they decided to go their own way, do their own thing, and God was ticked off. And he said to them, the consequence of you doing your own thing is sin and death and decay will enter and thanks to Adam and Eve we are all born into that line we all inherit that sentence of death and decay and that's why we've all got limited um, lifespans, and we get older when we look in the mirror we think who is that person in Genesis 3 God addresses Adam and Eve but then he does an unusual thing he actually speaks to Satan and this is what he says he says to Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman. In other words, God says, I'm going to place hostility between Satan and humanity. Satan hates humanity and humans don't like Satan. And then he says this, God says this, and between your seed, Satan, and her seed, there will also be hostility. So this is prophetic. He's beginning for the first time, to talk about the seed that will come from heaven to the Virgin Mary. The Messiah would be the seed of the woman, not the man. And then he goes on to say, And Satan, you shall bruise the head of Christ, and you shall, and you shall bruise his heel. And Sorry, and Christ will bruise your head, Satan. And you shall bruise his heel. And I'm sure Adam and Eve are thinking, what is that all about? But the Bible is a story of seeds the seed of the woman, Christ, the one that we're going to celebrate at Christmas, the seed of the serpent, and the seed in you. There is a battle between Satan and the seed of the woman, and there is a battle for your seed, for your potential. The enemy doesn't want you to complete and finish what God has for you. Satan messes with everything that reminds him of God. Satan hates God. So anything that is made in the image of God, he messes with. He doesn't like fruitfulness. He doesn't like productivity. He doesn't like faithfulness. He doesn't like any of the the fruits of the Spirit. It reminds reminds him of God. He's, at the moment in our culture, messing with and trying to redefine the two finest things that God created. What was one of the first things, the finest things God created? Male and female. The two finest creations. And he's messing with that. Satan resists multiplication because it reminds him of the image of God. He hates humans. The phrase, you will strike his heel, refers to Satan's repeated attempts to defeat Christ during his life on earth. And when Jesus came to earth, Satan felt like he was in reach so he could strike his heel. But um, he will crush your head foretells Satan's defeat when Christ rises from the dead. Bruising a heel is not deadly, but crushing a head is so we, for, we forward wind a few thousand years to Luke, and the world is interrupted by a second seed, the announcement of the woman's seed, what we now and celebrate as Christmas. And this is what the angel says to um, Mary, Luke 1. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus and the power of the highest will overshadow you, therefore also, that the holy one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And you know, God was so patient from the creation of the earth till Christ's coming to send that second seed. And he is still so patient now waiting for the fulfillment of all His promises. In John 1, it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus, the eternal, before all time son of God, became an embryo. John Lennox, who is a great Christian apologist, says this, the Christian message tells us of a God who became human. Humans actually take seriously the thought that they can turn themselves into God by technology. But why won't they take seriously that there is a God who became human? Humans have a hope for the future of changing themselves into something more desirable so they can live forever and be happy all the time. Their idea is using human intelligence to turn humans into God, bypassing the problem of moral evil. They are never going to do it. No utopia has ever been built where man can become God. Jesus said, He is God and He became human In order to give us life, and He promises eternal life, a life that will never cease. He promises that He will rise from the dead and live, and we will live with Him in another realm that is more real than this one. And that's why Christmas has got so much hope for us. We know that there is no utopia here, but one day, because of Christ's seed being in us, and because He rose from the dead, that we will also rise from the dead with him. But the moral evil, the sin is dealt with because Christ took it on the cross. And so Christ, the woman seed, the second seed comes, and the Bible calls it an incorruptible seed, a perfect seed, a seed that is not under the curse, an eternal seed. And of course, that's why Christ could not be killed. When he died on the cross, he left his body here, but he inherited a glorified body because you can't Kill the eternal seed. And um, the beautiful thing is when, when we are born again, when we receive Christ into our lives, the Bible says that we're born again. Why is that? Because we're born into an eternal kingdom. And now you have two lines. The Bible said there's a first Adam, which was Adam and Eve, and there's a second Adam. So Roz has a natural line which comes from Marg and Jack, and you have a natural line too, the egg and the sperm. But you have a second line spiritual line. That is Christ. That is eternal. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says this. I love this scripture. For our earthly bodies, the ones we have now, that will die. And Greg, you've seen that with your your dad. If you've ever been in a deathbed, you see death coming, don't you? You see the body letting go. But listen to this scripture. Um, Our earthly earthly bodies must be transformed into heavenly bodies that cannot, that cannot perish, but will live forever. That's what I, when I get older and I look at all the funny things that happen to your body, I think, yes, I'm getting older, but one day I'm going to be 24 again. (laughs) When this happens, then at last the scripture will come true. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where then is your victory? Where then is your strength? Sting, And I I tell you why I love this scripture, because it reminds me, really, death is just a change of clothes. And I'm not belittling death. But really, that's what it is. When you got changed this morning, you got stepped out of your jammies and you got into clothes. I hope you got into clothes um, and got out of your jammies. But that's what this scripture is saying. We're going to walk out of our natural body, our tent. The Bible calls it a tent. We do, we think it's incredible with all this image. But the Bible just says it's a tent. We're going to step out of our tent. And we're going to step into our glorified body. It will be a beautiful change of clothes and you will not regret it. All right. You and I are made in God's image. We are created with seed, potential, gifting, talent, dreams and and the ability to be fruitful. And I just want to finish the last part of this talking about the seed in you. Satan also wants to crush your seed. He doesn't want you to be fruitful And complete what God has for you. You know, whenever we do a baby dedication, whenever I pray for babies, I put my hand on their heart and I say, Father, I pray that they will fulfill all that you have for them. Because God has things for you even before you were born. Joel Osteen says this, You came from your mother. You came through your mother. But you came from God. And it's more important who you came from than who you came through. And God knew you before you were born. Before your mother and father or whoever had you even showed up, he knew you. And he knit together you together in your mother's womb. He was intentional. He didn't wasn't random or accidental. So the first a few things I want to say. God has appointed your timing. Galatians 4:4 4, 4 says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, At the fullness of the time, at the right time, Christ was born. And so were you. God didn't make an accident. You could have been born 200 years earlier or 300 years ahead of time. But you weren't. You were born in just the right time. John 15 says God is the gardener. He knows exactly when to plant you. Um, You didn't just show up on earth. God knew you before you were formed. God is strategic. He's not a Marx air gardener. He's strategic. He's specific. God studied the time, the culture, the opposition, what nation, what culture. He took all this into account and he put the, his DNA in you to match you, your gifting for this season. It's a miracle you are here. When you came along, there were 250 sperm released and you won the race. You pushed them all aside and you won the race. So you were born to overcome right from the beginning. You overcame. You overcame. You defied the odds. You know, recently a female leader asked me, Ros, don't you wish you'd been born at a different time? And I knew what she was saying. She was saying, Ros, you're getting quite old and really only people on the... Women only came on the state executive, you know, about seven years ago. And so don't you... She said, don't you wish you were born at a different time, born later, and then you could have gone on the state exec earlier. And it never occurred to me. 1960 was one of the best years. I was born at just the right time. And I thought, why would I say that? I could have been born in 1920. I could have been a slave in Ireland. God knows the season and the time. The next one is this. Every seed encounters opposition or fertiliser. The reason why Mark says sunflower is so healthy because he put poo on it. Sometimes life stinks and there are negative circumstances, but they don't ruin your seed they end up working for you. They give you endurance. They give you push through. They give you resilience. And God knows that you're going to need it. You don't know what's going to happen in 10 years time. But in 10 years time, you might go bankrupt. Or in 10 years time, your your marriage might fall, fail. And will you have the resilience ...to last through that season, you will... ...because you'll have already fought the lion and the bear... ...and God has prepared the right opposition... ...so you will be resilient... ...and when that tree encounters the floods and the winds... ...it will stand. The enemy wants your seed... ...to be aborted... ...and many, many seeds are aborted. Um, He applies pressure so you will quit... ...but God uses the pressure to put character in you. The enemy went after Christ... He went after Christ when Herod took out the babies. John the Baptist, his cousin, was beheaded. He could have dropped the ball in and got discouraged. Satan tried to tempt him when he was out in the wilderness, squeezed him and tried to get him to give up his mission. His family rejected him. His hometown rejected him. Religious people tried to kill him before his time. But they couldn't. He was resilient. God's seed in you can't be stopped by opposition or dirt. It feels like you are buried, but you're not buried, you're planted. The husk is coming off. The roots are going down and you're getting strong. Fertiliser produces nutrients for the soil. Don't be discouraged by the dirt. What is the seed designed to do? The seed has all the resource in it. It is designed to push through. It is designed at the perfect time to push through the dirt, push through the concrete and bloom and produce fruit. God designed it like that. It is designed to go towards God. The next one is this. The problem isn't with the seed, it's with the soil. You've got to get this one. People don't give up because of negative circumstances. They give up because of their response to the circumstances. When Jesus tells the story, the parable of the sower, all the seeds were the same. The difference was the soil so he, he sowed four types of, four seed in different environments, but only one produced fruit. So the problem is never with the seed, it's with the environment. And I've just got to say this, this to you. You have to make sure you have a healthy environment for your seed. Um, Jesus had to stay in faith so he could finish what God had given him, so he could perform the miracles. Remember when the girl had died? The girl died he walked into the room and there were mockers there and what did he do the first thing he did was put the mockers out of that environment and he said get out he could Jesus the son of God could not do a miracle with those people in the room because he needed faith did he love the mockers yeah totally loved the mockers but he didn't have them in a close space let me just say this don't have the mockers or the bitter or the judgmental, or the narrow-minded, close. Do you love them? Of course you love them. But the seed in you is really important, and it needs faith. You know, early on in our ministry, church was in the first year, and we'd got to 60 people. And someone said to me, they said, Ros, when the church gets to 60, the church always does. It gets to 60, and then it just falls apart and implodes. And, you know, I went home to Mark and Mark was trying to rest, having a sleep, trying to stay in faith. And I said, guess what, Mark? I said, when this church gets to 60, someone told me, and they've been here a long time, the church completely implodes and falls apart. You know what Mark said to me? He said to me, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) Bobby, you like that one. (laughs) Do you know what? Because he was protecting the seed and the dream God had given him for this church. Did I get offended? No. (laughs) I thought, he's right. I'm Peter. I've got to grow up. He couldn't have led this church with a wife that dragged him out of faith. Be very, very careful who who you have close to you. Your seed will not multiply if you don't plant it in faith. People get disappointed all the time. I tell you what happens. You get disappointed. We all get disappointed. Look at at us. We all disappoint one another. We get disappointed. But what happens then? We get offended. And then we get bitter. And then we produce a harvest of bitterness, the Bible says, that can um, be toxic to others. All right, leaving the seed behind. Jesus had to lay aside his glory and say goodbye to the Father and the Holy Spirit. Like, just imagine it. Saying, oh, goodbye to that. And then Jesus says, this is who you're going to be born. You're going to arrive in a manger. Like, (laughs) you'll only be around for a little while. There's not going to be a big hoo-ha. Only shepherds will come and see you. They're not going to be a big hoo-ha. Herod's going to kill all your mates that you could grow up with at school. And then you're going to have to move to Nazareth. Your family's not going to love you in the end. They're going to um, not believe in you. These are going to be your friends. These 12, one's going to betray you. (laughs) Like he laid aside perfection for you and I. For the harvest, it says. But he laid aside his mighty power and glory, taking the disguise of a slave and becoming like men. You know when a dry seed comes into contact with moist soil the seed begins to take up water through the seed coat and as it takes up more water the seed expands and it has to leave the seed coat and the seed behind in your life many times you're going to have to leave the leave the seed behind what it what what it was you know when i left teaching behind i loved teaching it was a great seed for me it was familiar it was comfortable good superiority superannuation good pay great holidays but God called me into the ministry I had to say goodbye to that seed in your life sometimes God will say you have to leave that seed behind and you think oh, I love that seed. that's what you're doing I love valentine it's familiar you know it but God has another harvest for you so you have to lay it aside. And that's what the Bible says in John 12. Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Whatever you won't let go of is the level where you will stop growing. You know, a couple of weeks ago, my daughter who works for Micah told me about a speaker she'd heard it named Asunta Charles. She's a CEO of World Vision in Afghanistan and now works with the Taliban. She's an incredible Christian who felt the call of God. She's decided decided to stay celibate. And the night the Taliban took over, she got the call. Do you want to leave? We all remember that night watching that on the television. She got the call. Do you want to leave? The king's left. (laughs) People are scurrying to get on the planes. Most of the charities are leaving. And you know what she said? She said, I'm going to stay. I'm going to die to my preferred future. And I'm going to stay. That is a moment of the seed falling into the ground and dying. So it can produce much harvest. Now she helps feed 1.1 million children who are on the verge of dying, malnutrition. She says this, children are losing their dreams as boys become sole breadwinners for their families and girls wake every day in fear of being sold into marriage because they cannot go to school and prepare for a different future. All the schools, secondary schools, have closed down. Today those dreams are collapsing and I don't think children have the right to lose their dreams. How are we going to keep these dreams alive? Because she stayed. She stayed. Some of those dreams will be kept alive. And the last thing, I I just want to say this. You'll never become if you don't let go. Dying the seed, dying in the ground, is part of its becoming. The last thing I want to say is this. Appointing another seed. Sometimes you you and I don't get a say in things. A marriage breaks up. We lose a loved one. We get fired. A friend walks out. We get a bad health report. We go bankrupt. We lose a dream. It happened to Eve. Remember, her son Cain killed her other son Abel. Mums, imagine that. She had so much grief, but then she fell pregnant again. And it says in Genesis 4, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. And when that happens, if you can stay in faith, if you can stay in in the ground sometimes when it's dark, knowing that the light will come and that God is good. God will appoint, and God, I know, will appoint and has another seed for you. When my daughter was 19, we got a phone call from her. Ellie, I asked her if I could share this story. And she said, Mum, I've got to come home from E.D. International, she was training for theater, her life dream of being in musical theater. And so we went down and picked her up and we met with the principal and Elle spoke to the three of us and she said, I've got to pull out because I've got an eating disorder. Now we knew she'd had struggle, but it really in that environment where they say to you, those thighs will never get a job. <laughs> she knew that she couldn't get healthy. So we took her home. There was a lot of grief. There was four years of healing back at Newcastle. And a lot of people in this church helped with that healing process. But you know, along the journey she had to let go of that seed. And a few years ago a prophet prayed for Beck, my eldest Beck, and said, Have you got a sister? I've got a and Beck said, Yeah, I've got a sister, and she said, I've actually got a word for your sister. And this was the word this lady had for Elle. Her feet have been facing one direction, but God is replanting and redirecting her feet in a whole new direction. She feels like her dreams have been completely crushed, but God is saying there are new and fresh dreams coming, better than the old, completely new and different to the old. There will be showers of blessing in the wasteland. Showers that will come and wash away everything that has stuck to her. We pray that her thinking would be fashioned towards the mind of Christ and become all she was created to be new directions, new dreams, better than the old. The appointed seed is better than the old. You know, she's in her last year of doing psychology and just absolutely flourishing. I want to pray for a couple of people this morning. And in a minute, I'm going to get you to stand up. I'm going to pray for those who feel like they're in a process of leaving a husk or a seed behind. And you just need some encouragement to keep on that journey in the grief of letting go of that seed. And I want to pray for others who you need God to appoint another seed. A seed you see to left behind. God is appointing another seed and if that is you this morning I want you to stand I love the courage of people in our church your eyes, those ones who are standing. Brody. God says it's coming. He's got the perfect time. You're not sure of the timing, but if it's too early, the seed won't carry what it's meant to be, and it won't be too late. Trust his timing. Kazi Kempfy, God says, you've been so faithful to him. Let that go, and give it to God, and see what he will do. Stay in faith. Guard your heart. Rhonda, he's going to appoint another seed. You you need to trust him. You need to trust him. He's going to appoint another seed. Lord Jesus, I pray for these ones standing. Right now, as they open their heart in faith, you can trust him, Tony. You can trust them. as they open their heart in faith. I pray that you will encourage them, God. And they can't see the seed, but don't rush ahead. Stay in faith. You must stay in a healthy environment. And Father, I pray that that prophecy that had El had, had prophecies for each one of you. He's turning some of your feet. Some of you, the time is ready very ripe. And God is saying, don't look back. Don't look back. Some of you are wanting to look back at the old seed. Don't look back. Don't look back. The new season is coming with new seed. So Father, anoint them, protect them. Thank you for the testimonies of faith in this room of these ones who are standing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.